Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the In Off The Post podcast. Yes, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the 14th episode of the In Off The Post podcast. I hope you're excited. I know we both are. Who's we? Well, I'm here with Ross Dawson, as usual. Hello, everyone. Long time no see. We have good reason for that, though. We've got some explaining to do, I know. Before we do any of that, right, first of all, we did record an episode 14 the week after the awards. I promise you that we did. It didn't really flow correctly. We weren't happy with it, and we were incredibly busy. Uh, We'll explain that a little bit more in a minute. Um, So I'm going to quickly run off now as fast as I can, the awards winners that you probably have them are on our Twitter blog. Manager of the year went to Pep Guardiola. Uh, the best team, best club team of the year went joint to Monaco and Real Madrid. Uh, best transfer was Mo Salah to Liverpool. Best goal was Wayne Rooney versus West Ham. Uh, biggest flop and was kind of a joint between uh, Andre Silva and AC Milan. Best breakout star was Mbappe. Uh, Jesse Lingard walked away with our most improved player of the year. Very interesting and... to see, if I might add. Absolutely. And I think that was it. If we're missing any, you can always double-check our Twitter account for that. Right, so should we get on to where we've been for the last three weeks, Ross? Because uh, I do feel a bit bad. Yeah, we, well, we do have good reason for this, purely for the fact that we genuinely have had no time to work on a podcast. I mean, recording it's fine. You can just sit down for an hour and record a podcast. But, I mean, we've literally had no time to like edit together, upload a podcast, because... As our as we do study BA journalism at the University of South Wales, our course is accredited by the British, is it, it's the Broadcast Journalism Training Council, should I say? And yeah. a part a part of earning that accreditation is to take part in three um, three weeks worth of what we call news days. So we have been in university Monday to Friday, eight o'clock till probably like six o'clock at times. So it's been a really hefty schedule. Um, you can imagine on the weekends, then you just want to relax. You don't really want to do anything else. Plus, I, plus, I've still I've still been working Saturday, so I've just it's just been we've literally had no time to record a podcast. I mean, we've 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 all, we've all got other commitments as well. So, you know, it's it's just we wouldn't have had a life not that we did during the three weeks, but we are back now. We our our university schedule is incredibly kind to us this term so expect more content than ever we've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline um should we get I'm onto that forward to it. should we get onto those plans right now should we make the announcement oh no i think we shouldn't no of course we should we've been wanting to do this uh for a while uh as i've talked about it on the show before uh and and on other things uh on twitter or whatnot um when we started this show we wanted it to be uh sort of a, a slow progression we wanted to start off with a show and make sure that we can get the show format down to a t then we wanted to branch out into more other content as well and part of that ross i'll let you announce it go on yeah so anyone who's been a long term long long time follower of in off the post or may have followed in off the post before the podcast will know that it was an award-winning football blog should we say um um, (laughs) we're going to announce the relaunch of the in off the post blog um we're gonna we we will be recruiting some writers 
Um, so if anyone, any aspiring football writers or anyone looking to get into football writing, feel free to contact us. You know where to find us. And off at IOTP blog on Twitter, uh, we'll we'll do all the plugins and stuff at the, at the end of the show. But we won't get too much into it. All we're going to say is that we're going to turn it into a hub for opinionated football writers to express their opinions with as few strings attached as possible. And also to make sure that people have got a place to get their work out there. I know that when I started writing when I was 16, which feels like a long time ago now, but it was only three years ago. I'm still young. Um, initially, it was always hard trying to get your articles out there. And there are websites that you can just you know, throw an article to them and I'll just put it up there and give it no promotion. And you've got to put down to that. No, we don't want that. We want people to genuinely have a place to put their stuff and have a platform as well. So I really, really hope that some of you people listening right now can uh, get involved with the, uh, the new, well, new endeavor that In Off The Post and the In Off The Post network, I guess we've got to call it now, we'll, uh, we'll go into. But should we get into the show? Because it is a podcast at the end of the day. So we'll start with the FA Cup roundup with Ross. So yeah, big big weekend of uh, FA Cup football. A lot lot of FA Cup magic on display this weekend, and a couple of upsets. We'll start off with Sheffield Wednesday, who beat Reading three one at home, uh, and then the mighty Yeovil, the lowest ranked team who were remaining in the competition. So hats off to them losing at home four nil to Man United. Uh, that game obviously saw the debut of Alexis Sanchez, who won man of the match from that game. Uh, then Peterborough uh, losing at home 5-1 to Leicester City. Um, Claude Puel doing an absolute madness at, the, at, at Leicester at the moment. They're up to seventh in the league, but we'll discuss that a little bit a little bit later on. Uh, Huddersfield uh, being held to a one-all draw by Birmingham City at the, at the John Smith Stadium. And then Hull City beating Nottingham Forest 2-1. A little bit of an upset. Nottingham Forest did beat Arsenal 4-2 to go through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. So a little bit of an upset there. Everyone thought that Nottingham Forest would get a little bit more out of that game. And then Middlesbrough losing at home 1-0 to Brighton. Brighton sneaking away with that with the, with by going through to the fifth round. Uh, Millwall drawing two all to Rochdale at home. MK Dons losing 1-0 at home to Coventry City. Uh, Knox County holding Swansea City to a one-all draw, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in a, in a bit. Uh, Sheffield United beating Preston North End 1-0 at home. Southampton beating Watford at home 1-0. Wigan beating West Ham uh, 2-0 at home. We'll talk about that game as well. But we'll start off today's discussion, or this week's discussion on the FA Cup roundup with Newport County, the mighty Newport County, holding the equally as mighty Tottenham Hotspur to a one-all draw at Rodney Parade. An absolutely fantastic game, fantastic result for Newport County. Big game, big result for that club. They force a replay to Wembley, so a lot of money is going to be coming into the club. But should we talk about the game a little bit? Yeah, yeah, big up Newport County. Um, I was watching the game. Um, I'll start off by saying, as I usually have to when we talk about Newport, uh, I am a Cardiff fan, but I've got no animosity against Newport. I don't really understand why it's been done. Um, and I was watching the game. I was rooting for them. I was hoping that they did well. And if it wasn't for a, a really avoidable goal, shall we say, uh, from, well, at the moment, probably the world's best striker, uh, Harry Kane, then they'd be through to the uh, to the fifth round of the FA Cup. But a replay would probably be the best result for them. In- 
Oh yeah, for sure. It, it was a really disappointing goal to concede, but it was a fantastic goal from from Tottenham's point of view. It was a little nice little flick from Hyungman Son onto Harry Kane, who just tucked it away. But it was really frustrating for Newport because they were in the lead for quite quite a long time. I, mean, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they did go into the first half one nil up. I think, yeah. So for the rest of the game, they were just holding out. They played a really tact like well tactical game of football. They were just defending and then hoofing the ball up to the other half which is what Cardiff should have done against Man City um, I've got to be honest though uh, I, th- I thought that they were unlucky not to win the game uh, there was one chance where Musa Zoko nearly put the ball into his own net Michel Vaughan didn't really know much about that uh, so you know fair play they they, they were pressure they put the pressure on Spurs and Spurs did look rattled for at least 40-30 minutes of the game you know um, I really hope now that they can go to Wembley and, and try and get something positive, uh, even if it is uh, a loss. I hope they do, you know, show, you know, the the rest of the footballing world uh, that they, they are there to stay because they're doing really well in League Two at the moment. Yeah, Newport, Newport fans and the club itself will be happy with the Wembley tie. A lot of money is going to come into the club after, after that game. And a lot of money has already come into the club. They obviously put up two extra stands that increased the capacity at Rodney Parade to 10,000 and they got a sold-out crowd out of that. So it's it's, it's, it's been really good, Re- really good seeing Newport County and their success in the FA Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we'll move on swiftly to another Welsh team in the league. We'll gloss over this a little bit quickly. Uh, Swansea City, um, I would argue, not deserving to go to a replay uh, after they struggled to uh, to get past Newport, so Notts County, different county, um, and uh, and drawing one all there. They were also one nil down, uh, managed to scrape a goal back by the end of it. Um, Wilfred Boney uh, had a really good chance in the first half. Uh, no player within three or four yards of him. Uh, a decent cross into the middle. Uh, a, a kind of chance that you'd expect him to score. And certainly a, the Wilfred Boney of old before he moved to Man City would have scored. And uh, instead decided to hit it straight towards uh, the gaping arms of uh, the, the goalkeeper. I'm sure he was very thankful for that. Um, what I want to know is, though, from from your perspective, Ross, uh, what has happened to Wilfred Boney? I mean, in the league, they haven't been too, doing too bad. I think their last games were a draw and a 1-0 win against Liverpool. So in terms of that, they're not doing too bad. But I think they're just their options in attack are really dire. I mean, it was a heavily rotated squad that um, Carlos Carvalho fielded against Notts County. And I don't think Swansea fans were shocked by that. He's publicly stated his desire... Um, and that their priority is Premier League survival. So I don't think many Swansea fans are going to be disappointed with that result and the fact that it is going to a replay. I don't think they care much about the FA Cup at the moment, I think. In, in fairness, and, and you are right that Carlos Carvajal has said that he is prioritising the league, as he should. Um, but he did start Boney, uh, Tammy Abraham, Tom Carroll, Renato Sanchez, who came off injured, Leroy Fur. you know, they're... There's quite a few big names, or people you'd argue were, were big names in that Swansea team, um, surrounded by, oh, and Alf, Alfie Mawson as well, surrounded by, sure, maybe their second team. Um, never heard of Connor Roberts, so he was playing at right, uh, right wing back. Um, but it's so confusing to me uh, why Carlos Carvajal has uh, has decided to field such a, a weak team. Because the way I look at it is, if he puts out a full strength team. One, he goes around to the next round of the cup, 
pretty easily, or at least he should, Premier League team playing against a League One team. And maybe you can inject a little bit of confidence into that team. I know they beat Liverpool, so they should be on top of the world. But why not just give them a run out? Make it almost like a friendly, just give them some minutes. There's plenty of players in that team that need minutes. Uh, Renato Sanchez is one of them. Get some confidence back and just have a go at the league and use the cup as kind of a side angle not saying go all the way I'm not saying that at all just try and use it as a platform to get a bit of confidence on the side games that don't really matter that's the way I see it at least no yeah that's a a fair point well made Um, in terms of other games let's talk a little bit about Leicester and their thrashing of Peterborough away to Peterborough Leicester City are doing fantastic at the moment. They were obviously, well, like most clubs at the moment who are at the sort of top 10 level, they had a disappointing start to the campaign. But Leicester City have now finally dethroned the mighty Burnley in seventh place. And Leicester are now looking upwards again of trying to crack European football, which is quite good. It's, it's, It's impressive to see considering that where they have been uh, in amongst like Craig Shakespeare's appointment and stuff like that and the 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 type of year that Leicester City well, have had. Well, their personnel hasn't really changed too much since they, they uh, lifted the Premier League trophy and there's no reason to think why they couldn't, you know, uh, not, not challenge the Premier League again, don't get me wrong, but try uh, and, and qualify for, say, the Europa League. Um, I said when Claude Powell came in for Craig Shakespeare that he will turn them around. I think I was proven right. He's a very, very good manager who was hard done by at Southampton. Um, and he's gotten playing really, really well again. Uh, there is a few rumours that could derail that. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that in the transfer section later on. And the rest of the FA Cup games, Liverpool losing... 3-2 at home to West Brom very interesting I think West Brom are currently in 19th place I want to say um, I believe they're obviously not being not in the most impressive form so far like at this point in the season but they're hoping that they can take the momentum of that cup game and lead it into the Premier League success uh, Chelsea beating Newcastle United 3-0 at home as well and then the big talking point of the weekend and a big talking point between us uh, yesterday and Sunday evening as well because we were both at this game, but Cardiff City losing at home 2-0 to Manchester City. Shall we discuss this? This is, this is great for be me fun. because uh, we don't get to talk about Cardiff that much on the podcast. We're very rarely one of the biggest talking biggest talking points of the week. Um, and and yeah, maybe with the exception of VAR, this was the the most uh, contested match of of the year uh, of the round. You know, definitely. Um, should we talk about the football first rather than the uh, the the big debate point? Um, yes, sadly, I think Cardiff were really poor. Just to put it bluntly. Yeah, there was. Yeah, and, and uh, look, I don't think that we can be too ashamed because there there are teams that are better than us who uh, who have lost six. 7-0 to Man City yeah, this course. season um, I do believe that they are the best team in the world and they put out a very very good team they did. against a, they a did championship put out club more or less their starting side with the exception of Aguero who obviously came off the bench because Sane went off but we'll talk about that a little bit later but um, 
the first goal was really disappointing to concede because there was such a big build up of it. Gundogan was down injured. I was, it was, it was right in front of me that goal, and I was, every, all the Cardiff fans around me in the Canton stand were just really frustrated with Gundogan, and then it, it, it just all like ended up in Kevin De Bruyne just slotting it under the wall into the bottom corner, just the biggest anticlimax ever. But it, it was, it, I thought it, was it was really clever. It, it was a good, but it was a good goal. I couldn't. You know, uh, I was sat in my usual seat in the Union. I couldn't, you know, complain. I put my hands up. I was like, oh, "That's a good goal," um, and it and it fooled everyone. In fact, I'm pretty sure that everyone in the stadium, other than uh, Kevin De Bruyne, didn't know that was going to happen. Um, so, the way I see it, though, is that that was in like the seventh or eighth minute. Before that, Cardiff were really, really up for it. There was a chance in the third minute. Nathaniel Mendes Lang managed to break free, put a really poor ball, but Callum Patterson was waiting in there, and I would have bet quite a bit that he would have put that away if it was a good ball. And if we had gone 1-0 up in the third minute, this is a totally different game. I really do think that. Um, I'm not saying we would have won, but it's definitely a different game. Uh, and, and the, and the worst thing that could have happened to Cardiff happened. Uh, the, the best early. case scenario for Cardiff... The best case scenario for Cardiff was going into half time at nil nil, getting Pep's men frustrated, and then just dragging the game out and hopefully nicking a winner. But conceding early was the worst thing that could have happened to Cardiff that game. Absolutely. Uh, the second goal that didn't count, um, shall we say, um, the first obviously being uh, Junior Hoylett's uh, off the line, uh, Claudio Bravo. That was a fantastic strike. Everyone was bouncing after that after that shot. And I, I really thought it was going to go in. Yeah, and sometimes, sometimes all you need is a bit of you know a bit of luck here and there, and and it could get the crowd going. Um, Claudio Barro spilled the ball. Uh, it went on the line. Everyone in the ground thought that it had gone in. It didn't. Um, and goal line technology proved that. Um, but then the second goal that was disallowed. Um, I I feel uh, after and I watched that goal go in from the the, the counter attack. It went straight across me, and I had a perfect angle for it to go in. Um, there was nothing wrong with it. I could tell that in the stadium, um, and I have no idea uh, why the referee decided that that, or, or sorry, the linesman decided that that was offside. I think I think the verdict was that I think it was Leroy Sané or something obstructed the view of the keeper, and that's what made the goal just a little but I honestly it, it should have stood it should have stood it was a great finish from Silver as well to be fair yeah of course I mean like Neil Etheridge is a good goalkeeper but I don't think there's going to be any goalkeeper in the world who can save a shot with that venom straight to the roof of the net from almost outside the box um, I did see that that was the case or, or, or potentially the case that Leroy Sane had impeded the goalkeeper's view from an offside position um, but as far as I'm aware that's not um, you know, uh, in 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 the rule, uh, because it, it's interfering with play. Now, if a goalkeeper can't see from that angle where where the ball is, then he shouldn't be a goalkeeper. He should be on the blind registry, because it was very very obvious that Sane did not interfere with goal with the goal. So, you know, no. And then the next goal that obviously Cardiff conceded uh, a header from Raheem Sterling. Which that was, was poor from Carlos's point of view. That was definitely band, very poor. The banter on Twitter after that game, after that goal went in was quite funny. It was, everyone was just like, "Imagine conceding a header from five foot six or five foot seven, Raheem Sterling." But the, the, he was so open in the box; it was really poor, like 
defensive mm. position from Cardiff's perspective. I think if Sol Bamba started, who was out with a knock, which became a bit of a meme, um, <laughs> uh, I think if he was starting, then that what that goal doesn't go in. But oh well. Um, look, like I say, I can't complain. The second half was dead. Uh, to be honest with you, it wasn't the most exciting game of football. It in was, the second it was, half it was dead. Yeah. Um, but. The and I had the pleasure of where I was sat. Cardiff were attacking my end, so I, I all all of the game was in the other end of the pitch. So it was really boring from my perspective in the second half. <laughs> um, but the the biggest and most controversial moment of the game uh, came when Man City were on the counter attack uh, after a mistake uh, from I want to say Bruno Manga, but it that might not be the case. Um, and Joe Bennett was chasing Leroy Sane, who's a lot quicker than him. Um, Sane's about to run into the box, and uh, Bennett makes a, a split decision to, um, to, to to tackle Sane and uh, decide, well, accidentally, in my opinion, accidentally, um, goes a bit high, and, uh, and Sane goes down. It's a yellow card uh, in the referee's point of view, not a clear goal-scoring opportunity. In fact, he was running away from goal. Um, and then on further replay, it shows that Joe Bennett um, actually had his studs up, and uh, very clearly, uh, Sane's leg or foot goes under his his, his ankle, uh, causing what we now know to be ligament damage, and he'll be out for six to seven weeks. Um I I I I am really disappointed with how how this has been handled on on social media. I'm being really careful with my words, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah, because you you have you have received quite a fair bit of slack on Twitter in the in the last couple of days. But it, from someone who has not voiced their opinion on the matter so far, I think it could have definitely passed as a red card challenge upon replay. Um, I don't think Joe Bennett meant it at all. I don't think it. it and the, the criticisms that Cardiff have had thrown their way of it be of them playing a rugby game, so to speak, I don't. I think they're quite unfair because other than that, and maybe another tactical foul that Cardiff conceded, there weren't many harsh challenges that ruined, like the Man City players. But for me, is this justice came to it at the end of the day? He did end up going off with through a second yellow card, so I don't think many Man City players can uh, complain that he was still on the field for the rest of the game but it's it's a tough situation it was by far a, a terrible challenge on Leroy Sane I mean the pictures speak for themselves but hey ho it's football at the end of the day mm-hmm. well look look the referee definitely deserved to uh, uh, hang his head in shame after it. it it was a red card and that's the, the other thing I, I have received quite a my fair bit of abuse this week and I, you know what sure that's what happened um for voicing my opinion on this and th- i never once said that it wasn't a red card decision it absolutely was it or, or it should have been uh the fact that the linesman or the referee didn't see that is very disappointing but there are some genuine uh things that need to be pointed out here a, a player puts in a bad tackle right you don't then go and attack his children because that's what's happened, right? Um, Joe Bennett posted a picture with his kids on Instagram. This was a while ago now, and Man City fans. Well, actually, am I generalising a bit too much? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say they're Man City fans. Some of them might not be. Have gone onto his Instagram, seen the picture with his kids, and sent abuse that way. What kind of mongoloid thinks that that's a good thing to do? I, I, I don't understand these people's thinking and. Uh, 
probably is my own, my own naiveness. But why, in a professional sense, because it's football is football. Bad tackles go in every single week, and in every division as well. So why do you think that this particular moment in this time, Joe Bennett deserved that kind of abuse? Because you know he doesn't. He doesn't. He clearly tried to t- to trip Sane. And if he had tripped him, uh, and and Sunny was fine and carried on, played ninety minutes, then we wouldn't be seeing this, would we? No. So, no, quite frankly, either way, uh, I was really, really curious to find out what you guys had to say about this. So uh, we we put out um, a, a call on Facebook and uh, Twitter to to get your opinion for this show. And can I just say, uh, I think we've probably had near a hundred responses. So um, it's it's been very, very uh, interesting. A lot from Facebook, actually. Um, Twitter's usually the, where it's at, to be honest, but uh, Facebook today came up trumps. Um, I will share with you this one thing, though, uh, that I, I tweeted. Uh, some people really need to calm down, Ari, the Bennett tackle. Uh, bad tackles happen every week. Are you going to react like that every time someone puts in a tackle? Um, someone who I, 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 I've written their name down, but I'm not actually going to name them, who has a much bigger following than I do, a Man City fan said, uh, who followed me, I followed him, said, ha 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 ha, not even worth debating you, you're obviously trolling, my time is precious, on mute you go. Now, first of all, how fragile is your da? Almost as fragile as uh, Sane's ankle. Oh, is that an edgy joke? Um, but also, you you tweeted me. <laughs> you say your time is precious, you tweeted me. Sure, whatever, mate. Um, it, it was that that amused me. Out of all the abuse I got, that was my favourite. So congratulations, you get an IOTP award for favourite bit of abuse. Um, so Ro- uh, Ross, have you got anything to say on this before I go into read other people's comments? Um, I I don't want to tread in hot water, so I'm just going to reiterate <laughs> what I've said. Of it was a red card. It was a referee's mistake, but. It, you know, Joe Bennett shouldn't deserve half the abuse he's been getting. Well, obviously, I mean that would be. Slightly. But I tell, I tell you, who does deserve all the 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 abuse that they've been getting is West Ham's Arthur Mas- Masuaku. How's that for a segue? Oh, that's beautiful. But I still haven't read out other people's comments. <laughs> we'll, we'll get onto that. Um, in in fact, you you, you go for it. I'll, I'll give you the floor. Okay, so basically, if, for those of you who somehow don't know, uh, Arthur Mas- Masuaku, the French left-back for West Ham, has received, I believe, a six-match ban for spitting on a former Man United starlet, Nick Powell. And good, because there's no place for that in the game. Has he actually received it now? Is is that being confirmed? I believe so. I think that was the consensus. Rumours yesterday was, were stating that that was the case, and I'd be surprised if it's not. Right, because um, Saul Saul Sy something like that um, who who spat on Robbie Wilmot uh, of of Newport last week, uh, size plays for Leeds, um, got a six match ban, and absolutely this ban should be matched. Um, pre- there's precedence for it, so you know go for it. Uh, there's no place for it in the game. It's a disgusting act. I don't know why. Uh, of all the things uh, you could do or or say, uh, that's the one thing you decide to do just because uh, Nick Powell absolutely bossed that game. I thought he had a quality performance. Um, definitely would welcome him at Cardiff. Uh, so back back to the Bennett tackle. It's a, here's a few things um, that I'm sure 
we can touch on. Lee Bickerton on Facebook says, football has gone soft. Uh, there was so much exaggeration uh, in football and the diving is unreal. That's why referees find it so hard to distinguish whether it's real or not. I've paraphrased a bit then, um, but I think he's actually got a point. I think he's genuinely got a point. Because if players didn't go throwing themselves round so much... Um, then we, we, we would be able to tell who's genuinely hurt. I'll be honest, in the moment, I thought Sané was milking it a little bit. It wasn't until I saw the replay. Oh, no, so, so did I completely, time. because we saw Ilki Gundogan go down that ultimately led to the Kevin De Bruyne free kick, and he got up and finished the game absolutely fine, and he was down for like four or five minutes. So. And bear in mind, Sané played till half-time as well. Yeah. You know. yeah credit, credit, credit to Sané for playing. I didn't even know he was, that, he was, he was injured. I thought... I thought when they made the substitution for Aguero to come on at half time, I was just like, okay, Aguero's going to come on. I didn't realise the extent of the injury. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Carl Swales on Facebook as well says uh, he should be made an example of, Joe Bennett, this is obviously, and be given an extended ban. Tackles like this have no place in football. Um, no, <laughs> is my reaction to that. Um, um, tackles like that define define what you mean by tackles like that. If we're talking about leg breaking challenges, then yeah, I'd agree with him in that respect. But challenges of, in terms of like accidental challenges that injure players and tactical fouls and stuff like that, it's just been a part of the game. Go back to the early early noughties, late nineties, and when you were watching the likes of Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira playing, even Vinnie Jones, <laughs> if you want to throw <laughs> that name in there, football the crazy is a gang, con- yeah. Football is a contact sport, believe it or not, and it's always been a contact sport. Hard hitting challenges are part of the game, and yeah, that's that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I find it hard to disagree with you, Ross. Uh, uh, as usual. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, I, I, I genuinely think that it's a really stupid comment. I'm sorry. But um, if if Cardiff players were told to go in and injure as many players as possible, like some people are accusing, I'm not saying this this person <laughs> did that, uh, accused that, but that's what some people have genuinely said, uh, then there would be more than one injury, I, I assure you of that. Um, there are tackles in football. Right, and as Ross rightly said, it's a contact sport, believe it or not. Um, the problem comes, especially when uh, you you you've got the, these these rules of like um, you know retroactive bans. Now that actually can't happen with Joe Bennett uh, because he the referee saw the incident, gave him a yellow card. Therefore, that ban can't be overturned. Although he obviously will have one because he got a second yellow later on in the game. Um, if every tackle was was cited, shall we say, then I think we'd be having four or five players banned every match. Interesting you know, statistic that I just found. Um, in terms of the number of fouls, Cardiff had 14. Manchester City, take a guess. 17. 12. So not far off. Okay. So well. it, it, it was... They were fouls either way. It's just, you know, some challenges were unlucky from Cardiff's point of view. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. David Conway, yeah, David Conway also on Facebook says he went for the ball and got his leg. He's come out and said, "Sorry, leave him alone." That's the most sensible thing I've heard all day. Dave, quality, no, mate. yeah, yeah, na- genu- nailed on the head there. To be fair, yeah, uh, he said it. What we're taking ten minutes to say, he said in ten words. A um, couple 
things from Twitter here. Uh, Tom Prosser at Tom Prosser. 08 said it's a red card uh, but there has been a massive overreaction there's always has been and always will be mistimed tackles in the game I'm sure there were there was no intent from Bennett's point of view that's football at the end of the day recent spitting incidents have gotten uh, not not got as much attention and again which I is, think nailed is, on the that, head that's, that's nailed on the head yeah fair play uh, so big up Tom Prosser very good guy uh, and Dan Moffat regular uh, contributor at Don Moffat 98 says the outpour of abuse on Twitter to Joe has been awful of course it was an awful challenge but you can't agree with anyone who uh, didn't intend serious harm it's absurd uh, part and parcel of football I'm afraid uh, no mouth emoji um, I think that no mouth emoji speaks volumes <laughs> <laughs> um, someone else as well Henry McQuinty uh, haven't heard uh, you uh, contribute before so thank you for this uh, it says V. AR was needed in this incident. Uh, now, this wasn't the elected game for this round uh, to use VAR. That was uh, Liverpool's match against West Brom. Uh, it was used quite a lot in that game, arguably too much. But if that was used, if VAR was used in this game, um, don't you think that it would be a much more interesting match? Mm. It's certainly Cardiff would have uh, would struggle more because we we'd be an extra go- uh, man down an extra goal down for sure. It's, it's, it's a it's a it's a hard it's it's catch twenty two really because if like you said VAR was introduced in the Man City game then it would have not by far not gone in favour of Cardiff City um that 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 Bernardo Silva goal would have stood and there would have been ten men on the field for Cardiff so. They've either got it. It was the was the West Brom Liverpool game sort of a trial in the FA Cup, or did they just randomly designate one game to give VAR to? It's one game per round. Well, that's stupid. Then you either do it for all the games or none at all. True, but then you could also argue that you know that that um, that would take too much time. We still don't know um, really where or when. Well, actually, it's they say it's an industrial park in London. That's where the VAR decisions are being made from. Um, I don't think you could do that for every single person or every no, single game. But then they need to sort the system out then because it's been working in the Carabao Cup, so why can't it work in the FA Cup? Yeah, definitely. It, it is a bit unfair. Uh, and the final comment I will put out to you for this uh, is from Nye Brown on Facebook. He says, Sane is a pussy and will play in the next match. Also, say hi to Liam for me. I will say hi to Liam for you, Nye. Um, that's my alarm going off. I apologise for that. Um <laughs> I will say hi to Liam for you. He will be back very soon, but he's off to Sweden next week for work experience. I'm very jealous. So uh, he'll be back very, very soon. Um, Right, we'll quickly run through the fifth round draw, and then we'll get on to what everyone wants to talk about. It is the transfer rumours and confirmed deals. So quickly, uh, the fifth round draw is Sheffield Wednesday versus Notts County or Swansea, West Brom versus Southampton, uh, Chelsea versus Hull City, Leicester City versus Sheffield United, Hull, sorry, uh, Huddersfield versus Birmingham or Manchester United. Huddersfield or Birmingham versus Manchester United. That's what I meant to say. I, yep. I misread that. <laughs> uh, Millwall or Rochdale versus Tottenham or Newport. Uh, Brighton versus Coventry and Wigan versus Manchester City. So, 
we'll get on to one transfer we've already mentioned, in fact, from the Manchester United game. Um, making his debut this week, who might I be talking about, Ross? Uh, the new United number seven, thank- thankfully. Uh, finally, a, a name worthy of wearing the number seven shirt, may I add, in oh, Alexis Sanchez. Um, swap deal with him at Mkhitaryan. Um, even though people would have you believe that his wages are going to cost fifty nine or so million pounds, just I'm just plucking figures out the air. But yeah, to get a Sanchez on a swap deal with Mkhitaryan is, f- for my eyes, this wages aside, fantastic business on United's behalf. And I may be biased in saying that, but to offload one of your most inconsistent players and one of the most frustrating players because on his day, Mkhitaryan is one of the best creative midfielders in the league. And if Arsenal are getting the same Mkhitaryan that helped United lift the Europa League, then they're going to do wonders, especially um, if another player who we'll discuss in a bit comes to Arsenal. But Sanchez, for me, is um, just what United have been missing in the final third. We've had we have quality players behind the striker, but albeit none of them are that of that class. If you look at um the top sides in in the Premier League at the moment, they've each got a fantastic world class player behind the striker. Um at the moment City have got De Bruyne despite him playing in mid- in midfield is definitely more of a free role. Um Chelsea have got Aiden Hazard, Liverpool have got Mo Salah and Mane. And then uh, Spurs have got Christian Eriksen. So it's finally good to see United having a world-class winger again and finally someone w- like worthy enough to fill that number seven shirt. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the biggest deal of the, uh, of the window, without a doubt, even though there are maybe deals that will cost more. This is a straight swap. And there aren't many straight swaps that happen anymore. Um, it's a, it used to happen a lot more in football way back when, before we, even we were born. Um, or even you were born, Ross, I know. I know that you're a lot <laughs> older than me. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a bit of a weird one that was teased for weeks and weeks and weeks, even before the transfer window even opened. Um, the one thing I, I want to know, though, is, is who got the better end of the deal? Obviously United. <laughs> I mean, the two players are the same age. They're both 29 years of age. And to, if you look at... It's, it's it's not even a move, like, if you think... Like, if it was to swap, like, Martial for Sanchez, I would say Arsenal would get the better end of the deal because, obviously, Martial's only 22 years of age. He's got the world in front of him and stuff like that. But if you look at a straight swap for in, like, the the most basic of ways in terms of who's getting the best player, it's it's got to be United because Sanchez is one of the best players in the Premier League. But Sanchez was one away, and he only had six months left on his contract. You know, if Mkhitaryan can be playing um, every week the way that he showed glimpses of at United, um, would you reconsider? Maybe, but it, it it depends because we can speak in retrospect all the time. But I can only call it the way that I've seen so far this season, in that Mkhitaryan has been frustrating for fans to watch, and Sanchez has shown his class and he showed his class against Yeovil he brought an extra drive in the final third that United have been lacking and we haven't got many wingers or we haven't got any wingers in fact who can pass a ball quite like Alexis Sanchez he was making some quality crossfield balls and 
in, in the game on Friday night and I think he will truly be the difference between Lukaku scoring 15 goals this season and Lukaku scoring 25 because Lord knows what his what the signing of Sanchez is going to do for Lukaku's confidence and his ability like, to score goals. Yeah, well, look, I agree with you. I mean, he's absolutely, a, a, a definitely um, a better player than Mkhitaryan is. And even on his day, you know, Mkhitaryan can't live up to uh, the Sanchez hype. Uh, a little but bit I, I, what, one thing I, I do want to say before um, we, we do move on or discuss any more other points, in terms of the wages, the rumoured wages are £400,000 a month. I mean, football's a game where you have to fork out these days to get a quality player, and the fact that United have got him on a free or on a swap deal with Mkhitaryan, that's just it just makes it better, because even though his wage, he's going to be the highest play, paid play, pr- player in the Premier League, he's still equal on wages to his equal Levetsi, who's in the Chinese League at the moment, and for a club who's won the title of the richest club in the world for the second year running, that's... It's, United have got the money to spend, so why not? Yeah, and and even though those are the rumored, um, uh, you know, figures, United's official stance is still that he's on three hundred grand a week, which is the same as Paul Pogba. So, you know, we'll 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 see how that materializes. A little bit of breaking transfer news, or these breaking for whilst we're on air, you'll probably know this well in advance before um, uh, this goes out that uh, Swansea's Rocky Mensa has actually joined Sevilla on loan just six months after joining for £11 million. Uh, I'm not going to throw any like uh, statistics your way because we didn't plan for that and I'm not going to ask Ross for too much comment if you don't want to because I've thrown that on you a little bit. Um, but that was rumoured and it was kind of also put to bed. Uh, they were like, oh no, that, that's not going to happen. And then it has. I, I wonder if uh, he, he's jumping ship before uh, they've hit the iceberg. Well, I mean, at the beginning of the season, everyone looked at the Rocky Mesa transfer and think, blimey, Sp- sorry, Swansea are getting a really good deal and a really good player out of there. And I'm not surprised that he's jumping ship now, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player. He's a very good player. I know um, Guillaume Balaguer from Sky Sports, when he joined, was uh, was singing his prayers and saying, look, Swansea have got a great player. Remember the Michu deal? Like It's, it's like on par with that and uh, just clearly hasn't materialised. Um, right, here's a very, very big one. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I bet not many people can say that five times fast, especially with a North London accent. Why North London? Because, obviously, he is on his way to uh, to Arsenal. Um, this one has been huge. This one's been massive. Um, £60 million is the rumoured fee, by far the biggest that's going to be in this transfer window. Although, um. almost... <laughs> Almost beaten by Man City today. Are um, we forgetting the Coutinho deal? Oh, yes, I am. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll discard the Coutinho deal because I'm fairly sure he's only made like one appearance for Barcelona since the deal. So, anyway, skirting over that. Skirt. Um, so, not by far the biggest deal that's happening this month. But, well, in the Premier League. We'll, we'll say coming, in the Premier League. Coming into the Premier League. So, um, Ross, they've been after this guy for probably three years and we said this about um, uh, Lacazette as well who hasn't really hit the ground running do you think the both of them together are going to be uh, you know the, the saviour for Arsenal or is it maybe a bit too much 
of the same in the it same honestly, position. For me, it honestly depends on how Wenger's going to play them because I have no faith that Wenger's going to play um, them in a system that's going to suit them best. I think the best way that Wenger can get the best out of the of a partnership between Aubameyang and Lacazette is by doing exactly that. Play two up front with Ozil behind them. It that, that it doesn't change the tactics in any way at all. The only thing, because obviously Arsen is implementing a three at the back formation at the moment, and he has done um, throughout this season and last season. Um, instead of having maybe Sanchez as another winger or sort of another forward, just have Lacazette and Aubameyang at up front together. I mean, that's like one of the best striking partnerships in the league. Come on now. No, mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. And uh, my only worry is that um, that maybe one of them will have to play on the wing. And how many times have um have uh, we seen Arsene Wenger have a great player and then put him out on the wing? Um, but maybe maybe we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Maybe he's going to change the formation a little bit. Um, Arsenal have really really not been good this season. I know that's not exactly a hot take. Um, but perhaps we're going to see a, a sense of... A bit, bit like what Liverpool have done with Van Dijk, throwing money at a problem and thinking that uh, something will stick. And Van Dijk has not fixed all of Liverpool's problems, um, who is another one who, I forgot, um, it, it moved in the January transfer window. Um, and, you know, maybe Aubameyang isn't going to fix all of uh, Arsenal's problems. Maybe they're a bit more deep-rooted than, than just a striker. But... He's it's a not. Good it's, it's not a player they they exactly need. Um, they they need a Sanchez replacement, and it, is Aubameyang a Sanchez replacement? Would you say that? Um, they're Could, they're different players. I think in, in my he's opinion, more of a striker. Um, um, I mean, the acquisition of of Mkhitaryan has sort of cemented like, okay, this is the player that's gonna um repl- uh sort sorry, this is the player that's gonna um replace Sanchez and surely I mean we're forgetting about Mkhitaryan like where's he going to play in, in, into the fold if you've got Ozil Mkhitaryan Lacazette and Aubameyang how are they going to fit into a team together I think we're talking more uh, Lacazette Aubameyang and Mickey all up front with Ozil kind of behind them spraying the balls wherever he needs to, to put them Um but what worries me is that that is a quality front four. Like, there's no doubt about that. Probably one of the best in the Premier League. Um, and how? Uh, but, but who's supporting them? Are Xhaka and Ramsey going to support that team? Probably not. No. No. And either e- way, even the defense, they're they're in desperate need of a top top quality centre back. I mean, Koscielny, he's been quality in recent years, but he hasn't showed. He hasn't been as dominant in. in since um, Arsenal have implemented a back three and Mustafi hasn't li- really lived up to expectations. He's been great, don't get me wrong. He's been one of the, the better of Arsenal centre-backs so far this season, but he hasn't li- lived up to expectations. So um, I think the very top-heavy at the moment, um, very reminiscent of the Liverpool squad. So I don't know if signing an attackers is going to necessarily fix all their problems, but I'm sure we'll see. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you know, like that's. In fact, no, I'm not going to even bother saying what I was going to say. Let's move on. Um, still talking a bit about Arsenal because Olivier Giroud looks to be 
off. Um, he looks maybe to be the uh, the target man that Chelsea have so uh, been so fixated on getting this window. Uh, Arturo Conte likes to have a big striker off the bench as an option. Uh, he had Fernando Llorente at Juventus, uh, so this is this is his. Uh, well, after going through maybe four or five other targets, this is his decision to go for Olivier Giroud. And also Wenger looks to be happy to offload him. I, this, um, this is exactly what Arsenal shouldn't have done. Um, Giroud on his day, he starts for the French national team and he's a quality plan B for Arsenal. So if he's the striker that he's going to have to offload in to make way for Aubameyang, I think they're doing business totally wrong. Yeah, £35 million pounds is a lot of money though. Uh, and they didn't sign him for anywhere near that um, from Montpellier. Um, I just I, I do think that they are probably left a bit lacking because after that, I mean, you've got Danny Welbeck, and I don't think Danny Welbeck is exactly going to be living up to uh, or to even Giroud, never mind Aubameyang. So, well, I mean, we'll we'll see. I'm but, not. But, I'm, it, it's very interesting or like puzzling to see why Chelsea need to sign another striker because the, the by the names that they've been linked with in the window they're clearly after a big number nine so clearly they haven't got much faith in Morata <laughs> which is quite worrying from their perspective given that they've spent a lot of money on him in the summer and he hasn't seemingly lived up to his expectations to the fact to the point where they're already looking at other strikers even though they have Mishu Batshuayi in the fold they have all well he's actually off uh, to Borussia Dortmund now that looks like that's going to definitely happen okay. on loan until the end of the season okay. which is a good move for him ahead of the World Cup and you know he probably wouldn't get any game time whatsoever if Giroud was an option but I mean is Giroud really a target man I mean he's he's not massively tall but he knows how to throw uh, his hair about a bit if that's what you want to that's how you want to put if, it. If, if, um, if, if Conte wants a player who's going to get in the box, maybe score ahead, uh, be like a, a plan B type player and score the odd goal with his feet, then they're getting a great player in Giroud. And I was a big advocate for him to move to Everton in the summer because I do rate Giroud, but I don't think he is an Arsenal quality player. And I don't think he's a Chelsea quality player as well. So this... Ch- Chelsea's business in the trans- in the January transfer window has really puzzled me. Well, their targets uh, have ranged from uh, Peter Crouch and Ashley Barnes to Edin Dzeko and Olivier Giroud. I I wonder what Antonio Conte's thinking is, or whether he's thinking at all at this point. Um, Because we all know how vocal he's been on uh, the fact that he doesn't choose the players that Chelsea sign. Um, He's got um, a, a say let let's say, uh, but he by no means has the final word, um, which which is for me a really stupid thing. I, um, I he, it was the reason he left Juventus, and it was the reason he left Bari, uh, and also the reason he left club management altogether and went to Italy. Um, he he really really hates not having control. It just makes you uh, think. Transfers. It just makes you think how long like towards the end of his tether he is with Chelsea because there there have been rumours in like the summer and earlier on in the season that he was interested in a move away, and how are Chelsea trying to force him out or are they trying to keep hold of him? They need to they need to back up their ideas and sort of establish where they stand with Conte because if they want a manager of his quality at the club and he is 
absolute quality. He's one of the best managers in the world. They need to push the boat out and try to make him stay. Let's put it this way. I mean, Conte is probably one of the best managers in the world. After what he did, he turned that Chelsea team around, uh, made them unplayable and made five at the back a very popular choice um, amongst other other clubs up and down the country. Um, so, you know, hey, let's... Uh, <laughs> Let, let's give him a little bit more, a uh, little bit more of a chance, shall we, Chelsea? I'm, I'm talking directly Please to Roman Abramovich now because I, I, I want Conte to stay I in like the Premier him. League. Despite his comments he made against Jose Mourinho, I still rate him as a manager. That's partially why I like him because uh, anyone who's got the balls to be for uh, uh, Jose Mourinho uh, is a got, a, got a real, uh, you know, real set on him, shall we say? <laughs> anyway, should we <laughs> should we move on from should we move on from Chelsea? We should, but stay in the Premier League because um, Manchester City have decided to go on a bit of a madness. Um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the defensive reinforcement first. Um, Ross, do you know how to say this lad's name? Laporte. I'll talk about his first name. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me just have a look now. No, no. I'm gonna guess it's Imerick. I think uh, no. I I'm think I think that, that's I think right. That quite close. Hang on, I, I'm I'm gonna gonna say I'm a Rick. I'm a Rick Laporte, uh, a, a player from from Athletic Bilbao um, or Athletic Club as they like to be called. Um, a very very good defender, a very good centre back. He's been on the radar um, of a lot of big clubs since he was about six. Uh, six I think sixteen was when he was first kind of touted to be good. Um, made his like stamp on 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 the first team when he was nineteen, I believe. He's, he's, so you know he's he's got good he was pedigree. A popular player on FIFA career mode back in the day. Oh, shout out, yeah. Um, but I think the biggest uh, shock of this, uh, this good stat coming out, is that he is now the most expensive player ever to not have an international cap. Really, he hasn't made a cap for France yet. No, which is great. Like I think that's a quality stat, personally. Um, he's from the Basque region, so if you don't know, in Spain, up in the, the kind of the north of, of of Spain, there's a little region called the Basque region, or Basque region, and they uh, kind of, I guess you could say, identify as both Spanish and French. They kind of speak a mixture of both, and that's what Athletic Club is kind of known for. Is that they they only have players from the Basque region. Their academy is so good, so their team is full of Spanish and French players. Um, and and he is he is also you know there's plenty of other famous ones uh, talking about um, Antoine Griezmann. He's from the Basque region, uh, as is Adjuris. So you know he's leaving a. Uh, Essentially, his home club, should we say, um, and he—they've been desperate to keep hold of him for so so long, um, and he's finally going to Man City. But do you see him playing that often? Depends on the kind of system they're going to use. To me, this signing um, works in a three at the back because I think Laporte would be a great left-sided centre back or a central-sided centre back. But it, it honestly depends because. Man City did need a top quality centre back, but I'm not sure if they've got the world class centre back they need in Laporte. Because remember, before they signed um, Nicolas Otamendi from Valencia, he was one of the best centre backs in La Liga, and he came and in his first season, everyone he he didn't live up to expectations, 
And for me, Laporte, while he is a quality defender, he hasn't showed the glimpses that he did a couple of years ago. So for me, it is it is a really good sign, and don't get me wrong, they are getting a good player out of it, but I don't I just don't know. I I don't know how it's gonna work unless they use him as a company replacement. But what does it mean for John Stones even? Yeah, that's the thing I was going to bring up was has Pep lost patience with with John Stones because they they almost need him because he's English um, and Kyle Walker as well because you need to have a certain number of players in your team from uh, or who are considered homegrown and should we say uh, that you know Man City probably don't have the strongest English contingent no. in their squad so if if they were to uh, to get rid of John Stones uh, and I'm not suggesting that that's the rumour that it isn't but if they were to drop him to the bench and not play him and he'll want to leave because he is a good enough player to play in the Premier League um, wh- where do they go from here? Like, do, do they have to start bringing players like Phil Foden through? I mean he's only 17 he's played really well but he's not old enough yet I would say to play Are they going to play, play the Laporte at left back in the meantime? Or are they going to are they going to what, yeah, exactly. what Fabian Delph? I mean, obviously, Mendy's out injured with quite a long-term injury, but still, I mean, they need reinforcement in that position, so hey-ho. Mm-hmm. bit more of breaking transfer news. Cardiff have made a fourth bid for Gary Medine, second of the day. Oh, that's a bit bit mad. Um, who knows? Maybe Chelsea could look at him <laughs> as a target man. He's a bit tall. Um, here's a really good one. I think... Um, Javi Gracia, who is uh, Watford's brand new oh. manager after they uh, canned Marco Silva, I think that he deserves uh, manager of the month after securing Gerard Delafeu on loan from Barcelona until the end of the season. Uh, and he hasn't even played a game yet. Funnily enough, so, fun, um, fun stat yeah, for you. Talk st- uh, Gra- is it Gracia or Garcia? It's Gracia, isn't it? Yeah, Gracia, sorry. It's Gracia, yeah. Dyslexia coming in there, but. He he's looking to be the first ever Watford manager in the Premier League to start his managerial career with a win. No, no, no Watford manager yeah, in the Premier League era has started their career with a win for Watford. So yeah, I remember people saying that when Marco Silva joined, and I mean he's the best manager they've had ever. Mm. I would I would say, certainly in the Premier League. Um, I I mean. Look, he's a very, very good player, and there's a reason Barcelona wanted him. Um, I don't know why they they decided to bring him back when they did, because they knew that Osman Dembele was going to come, and so was um, you know Coutinho. That looked to have already been done before the the January window opened, uh, or even the summer window closed. In fact, so what what on earth made Barcelona think that Gerard Delafeu was going to was going to make a difference I'm in that team. I'm not sure. I mean, if they weren't convinced by his spell at Everton, then, you know. <laughs> but no, it seems to be a trend of De La Feu getting a glimpse into the Barcelona squad and then Barcelona just turning around and being like, nah, you can go to a mid-table Premier League club, mate. I'm I'm sure that's the third time he's left Barcelona now. I wouldn't be surprised. Sure no, I wouldn't is. be surprised. So... I think it, I think I think it, well either way look, I think that's a quality sign twice at this point or something like that or did he just have or did he just have a really lengthy spell at the club I'm not too sure well 
either way <laughs> uh, come the end of the season he'll probably have a madness and Barcelona will recall him and then he'll be at <laughs> Southampton in 12 Rinse months and repeat. yeah um well, well, um, well, we're all about the break-in transfer news on um, the Enough the Post podcast, apparently, because something that's just popped up on my Twitter, this is from the, the mail, so take it with a pinch of salt if you want to, um, but apparently Manchester City have just made a £50 million bid for Riyad oh, Mahrez. <laughs> and that's, that's all to do with is Joe Bennett's really? tackle. <laughs> it's, oh, my Lord. It seems to be like it's just throwing throwing money at it. It's not oh, people used to have emergency loans back in the day, but now I just chuck fifty mil at Mares and a maybe maybe this maybe yeah. this is them settling oh, after oh, these oh, well, Alexis Sanchez. Who knows? It's it's funny to me because they're like, oh, one of our better players is out for two months. <laughs> Another fifty well, no, million. It's, it's on, really then. disappointing because in in a fully fit Man City squad, he's not getting ahead of Sterling or Sane or even Bernardo Silva for that matter. So it's just a pointless transfer. It really is. I mean, I, I'll every time someone says about because uh, remember Pep Guardiola a couple of days ago said that Man City couldn't afford to to be splashing out the kind of wages that some people want. I think that was kind of indirect reference to, to Sanchez. They can, they can though, uh, can't then they? they go and, he's, 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 he's totally making that up. They, they of can. course they can. They can't afford his wages. There's a, a great stat that, that came out when um, Sterling joined to um, Man City and at the time that seemed like a lot of money. Because um, he joined for fifty million as well, and Man City seem to be uh, fifty million merchants <laughs> at the moment. Everyone's moving there for fifty million. Um, if the the their owner, I forget his name, is it Sheikh? Maybe I'm not sure. Mansour, I want to say, possibly. I don't want to double down on that. But um, if he was to wake up at nine a.m. in the morning, then by midday he would have made fifty million pounds from his oil business so I don't think he's going to care too much but does that mean when he wakes up at 9am by by (laughs) midday he can afford um, Alexis Sanchez's wages for a year (laughs) yeah there you go Uh, if you want to put it that way Um, Daniel Sturridge how about that for a segue (laughs) just shouting his name um Daniel Sturridge uh, has has decided that he is uh, has had enough at Liverpool and has joined West Brom on loan. This is a in an attempt to is make it, a it loan to the deal? World Cup squad. Well, for, um, is it is it a loan deal? Twenty eighteen for England. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that in that it case, is. I think it's an absolutely quality signing for West Brom. Well, if he's hungry for it and you know can keep his quaver legs. Well, we're talking snapping, about then, a player who you know three, go for four it. years ago. Like, um, Became the the player for Liverpool who's who got to twenty goals in the league in the quickest amount of time, tied with Fernando Torres, twenty seven games, might I add. But on his day, Daniel Sturridge is one of the most clinical strikers <laughs> in the league, and West Brom getting him on a loan deal is great business, quite frankly. Yeah, definitely. There isn't too much to say on that. And we do need to wrap the show up quite quickly. So uh, we'll quickly mention uh, congrats to Tim Cahill and for making also, I wanna, I wanna a return give, to Millwall. That was an interesting one. Morrow looks to be set on a £25 million deal 
away from PSG to Spurs. That looks like a quality signing. Mm-hmm. That looks to be a good one. Yep. We'll uh, we'll definitely get a show out to you next week. We'll talk because all it is, about it is deadline day tomorrow. That do eventually go through. We're so excited. Um, quickly, the Benevento watch. Uh, I'm thinking maybe we should scrap this now, but I'm doing it anyway just for the you know for the banter. They lost three 0 to Torino. Um, they they started winning again, so it's not as fun. It's not not as good of a meme. And finally, uh, the football funny. We always like to end the show on a little bit of a more light-hearted note. This one comes from the brilliant lower leagues of football as it tends to um and that is crew alexandria uh deciding to tweet uh the other day uh, fancy some transfer news this lunchtime uh and setting up a poll with three answers go on then why not omg yes get in and now nah, you're all right well uh now nah, you're all right one with 53 percent of the vote but they still decided to announce the signing anyway so <laughs> they don't even really care that much um about about the polls um so that's the end of this episode of the in off the purse podcast apologies it is maybe a little rushed but we've we've got things to do we're, we're still very busy um but uh we're, we're gonna try and get an episode out every single week uh follow myself and on follow me at, at outdoors underscore and remember we will be setting another tweet out uh either later today or tomorrow reminding you that we will be relaunching the blog so keep an eye out for that absolutely we're very excited about starting that up so uh well Bye-bye. until next time ta-ra